Hey family, I'm Ashley. And I'm Dion. And we are the Woman, Woman Defined, Defined Podcast, Podcast Season 2. Our goal is to encourage women to live authentically, on purpose, and in their God-given identities. So welcome to the Woman Defined Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman Defined Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dion, and we are missing the lovely, the marvelous, the incomparable Ashley, who was off during maternity leave, being an amazing mother. We miss you. We love you. Come back. Okay, don't come back until you're ready, but bring baby with you. With today's episode, we're going to jump into a new series called The Study Sesh with the Woman Defined. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Based on that scripture, there's no way to know God without knowing his word. The Bible is literally God in written form. Every book, every chapter, every verse is wrapped in God, even Leviticus and Numbers, y'all, which if you know, you know. So follow along with us in your word as we dive deeper into God's word for revelation of who he is, who we are in him what the life of a follower entails, and more. Welcome to Study Sesh with the Woman Defined. With this new series, you guys, we're going to read through scripture together, unpack what's going on in the word, and examine how it applies to our lives. Then I'll ask reflection questions that y'all as a listeners, y'all not just going to be listeners with this series, okay? Y'all are going to respond to us via DM at the Woman Defined on Instagram or Facebook. Shoot us an email at thewomandefined at yahoo.com, or you can use the Q&A space under each episode in Spotify to share your answers to the reflection questions at the end of each study sesh. Then I'll share your answers with your first name only and my answers in the beginning of the next episode before jumping into that new study sesh. Got it? Good. With that, I'm going to get started on today's study sesh. What better way to kick off our study sesh with a six-part series, y'all? I'm going to give you a quick overview of all the things that we're going to be going through with this study sesh, and then we're going to start with part one today. So I'm going to be reading an intro written by Kimberly Herman, MSW, LCPC, because I like to give people their credit. I'm not just going to steal sister's words and not tell y'all. This is a 12-week Bible study for Christian women centered around the women of the Bible. Here's a quick overview. It does give away a few spoilers, but it doesn't go deep. Sarai lives a challenging but rewarding life, full of shame, promises, frustrations, and a birth that generations later ushers in Jesus. When we first meet Sarai, she's a beautiful young woman whose name means princess. As the first matriarch in the line of Jesus, her name hints at the coming of the one who would be called King of Kings. Reference Revelation 17, 14. In Genesis, Sarai marries Abram. In Sarai's culture, not having a child brings shame to a husband and wife. Sarai is barren for most of her years, but God promises to bless her and her husband with the son. We'll see that Sarai finds it hard to be patient with God's timing. Bum, bum, bum. Foreshadowing. When Sarai is 89, God meets with Abram. This meeting is when everything changes for Sarai. God gives them both new names. He also declares Sarai will give birth within a year, and she laughs in response. But God proclaims, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
with this six-part study sesh, we're going to look into Sarai's heart and discover how God works through times of darkness and bitterness. Sarai teaches us that life can be challenging, but God's promises don't falter. We're going to read along as Sarai takes matters into her own hands out of impatience and then gets angry at the result of her decisions. But God has her in his care, my God, and works through her choices and reactions. Sarah, formerly Sarai, is known for her beauty, but even in the midst of ugliness, we will see God's magnificent plan unfold through her. Wow. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and jump into our scriptures for today. Each study sesh will have its own theme and scriptures. Today's theme is God's faithfulness through our inherent sin. The scripture for today's study sesh are Genesis 11, 29 through 31 and Genesis 12, 1 through 20. I'm going to get started. Genesis 11, 29 through 31 in the NIV version, and it reads, Abram and Nahor are both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Moving on to Genesis 12, verse one through 20. Because this is 19 chapters, I'm gonna breeze through this really quickly. So just follow along in your word or make sure you're listening, pay attention so you don't miss anything because this is good. All right, Genesis 12, one through 20 in the NIV and it reads, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haram. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had and accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Sechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. 
So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Whew, okay. Yeah, I know that was a lie. I know that was like 20-something verses total. Let's do a quick recap. God directs Abram and his family to move to Canaan, where he will bless them abundantly. Due to a famine in Canaan, Sarai and Abram instead temporarily live where there is food nearby in Egypt. Because Sarai is very beautiful, Abram is worried that the ruler of Egypt, the Pharaoh, will kill Abram to get to her. Together, Abram and Sarai lie and tell the Egyptians that they were brother and sister instead of husband and wife. Pharaoh then takes Sarai as his concubine and Abram acquires sheep, cattle, donkeys, servants, and camels. But God is not standing for the lies and for the foolery. He inflicts multiple serious diseases on Pharaoh and his family. As soon as Pharaoh realizes Sarai is Abram's wife, he summons Abram, confronts him, demands answers for the lies. Sarai is then returned back to Abram, and the couple is sent on their way with all the belongings that they gained while in Egypt. So, from this little snippet of scripture verses, uh, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 20, it's clear that Abram and Sarai don't trust God to protect them, so they turn to deception to stay safe. First, he told them to go one place. They saw that there was famine there, so they went another place. Then when they got there, they lied to stay safe. Then they brought mess and drama on other people because of their lies. It's just drama, drama, drama. They did all of that when they could have just went to where God told them to go. But the stage was perfectly set for God to intervene and redirect as only God can. All right, y'all. So now that we have an idea of what's going on in the scripture, what God's promises are, who the main characters are, I want to highlight some important considerations that I felt were too good to not address within today's study sesh. The first important consideration I want to talk about is that although the verses for today's Bible study start at this point in the story in Genesis, this wasn't the first time that God told Abraham to go. Here's some quick context. So in Acts 7, a deacon named Stephen was being accused of blasphemy because of the way he talked about the temple. There's a lot of history to unpack there, but in this part of the story in Acts 7, Deacon Steve was given an opportunity to explain himself against the accusations. He said a lot. He basically said that God came to Abraham when Abraham was still in Mesopotamia before he even arrived into Haran. At this time, they had limited God's presence to the temple, which was holy. But now here come Uncle Steve, Deacon Steve, saying that God is bigger than the temple and God doesn't need the temple for his glory to be revealed for his presence to be there. So the rest of that story unfold with Deacon Steve. I'm not going to go into that, but I think it's important to note that God told Abraham to go to a new country the first time when he was in Mesopotamia. And then he repeats this command and promise the second time in Genesis 12. That's where we're picking up at. So this tells me that Abram was not fully obedient to God. God told him to go to Canaan ASAP and leave his relatives. Instead, Abram left, but not only did he bring his father with him, he also stopped along the way and dwelt in Haran instead of going straight to Canaan like God told him. Still, God didn't take his promise from him. 
he just kind of, you know, he put it on hold until Abram was ready to be fully obedient to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your patience, Father. Okay, so then the promise wasn't taken off hold until Abram stepped into that obedience to go to Canaan where God told him. This is an important consideration because everybody knows Abram as Father Abraham of any sons. And then the son, the father Abraham, and we know him as a father of faith, but he didn't, he didn't start at the father of faith. God told him twice to go to Canaan. And even then he did it in his own way, halfway obedient, halfway not. He didn't start as a father of faith. He grew into faith. He grew into obedience. So certainly push towards doing what God tell you to do, push toward the mark, push toward obedience. But also don't despise small beginnings and don't discount God's grace and mercy. The Bible says he didn't take his promise from him. That grace and that mercy is like no other. So still walk in obedience, live in obedience. But the Bible also says that his grace and mercy endureth forever. When you can't make it. This is not me excusing you in disobedience. This is when you can't make it, when you fall short. Not if, but when, because we are going to fall short. So when you do, pick up and keep pushing, accept his grace. Okay, so now let's look at what God said to Abram. God said, drop everything you're doing, leave your community, leave your family, leave the only home you've known and go to a place you've never been, but a place that I'm going to show you. If you do, I got you. I'll look after you. I got your back. I'm going to look out for your enemies. They're going to regret messing with you. If they try it, let them try it. And not only will I make your name great and I'm going to make you into a great nation, but in you, all the families on the earth will be blessed. This is an important consideration because I want to emphasize that God has a greater perspective. God sees a full view. He's a big picture God. Now, in this instance, God gave Abram the tea. God told him all the good parts, but God also told Abram, This is going to be your land, but also when you get here, your descendants are going to be in slavery, in bondage for 400 years. That's intimidating, y'all. That's scary. That's intimidating. It's not only affecting you and your people in front of you. This is a decision that's going to affect you and your people for years to come. I can't speak to how that affected Abram, but I know if God told me that was what's going to happen if I went there, he's usually... Is you sure, Jesus? It would definitely impact my obedience. It would definitely impact my faith. I'm going to be real. He knew, hallelujah, God knew I wasn't made for slavery. That's why he brought me around in 93. But if he told me the same command to Abram, if he told me that promise tomorrow, baby, I'm going to have to fast immediately to see if God really meant what he said, if he really was sure that he wanted me to go. And shoot, even then, I may not go. I'm keeping it real. 400 years. So I'm left to wonder, is that why he don't give me all the tea now, all the details, all the intricacies along the way of his plan? Because he knows that it's going to be a little rough in there. But, you know, in the end, he's God and he's got us. Same thing with taking the Israelites the longer route through the wilderness, knowing that they what they couldn't handle, what they couldn't face. So he spared them the details and went another way about it. I don't know. I can't dig into, again, why God does some of the things the way that he does them. But I do know in his plan, in his calling, 
his instruction is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your auntie. It's bigger than my grandma. His instruction, his calling, his plans, the plans that he made long ago before we were even a concept in our parents' mind, these plans impact our families, our friends, our coworkers, generations to come. It's bigger than us, y'all. Our obedience is bigger than us. God's plan is on a bigger scale than just what we see in front of us, what we see for four years from now. This is generations to come when we are obedient to the will of Christ. Okay, so moving forward, Abram left Mesopotamia in partial obedience to get to Haran. Then he left Haran to go to Canaan. And guess what? He brought his nephew Lot still in partial disobedience. God told him to go out from his family. He wasn't supposed to bring him. He brought him anyway. Now, this time he was going to face the consequences of his disobedience because later Lot became trouble and an inconvenience to Abram. So I felt like that was an important consideration because it shows God won't force us to listen to him, but he will hold us accountable to facing the consequences of our actions. So it's not always the devil, y'all. It's not always the attack of the enemy. Oh, Satan, I come against you. Not today, Satan. No, this is a result of your own decision. This is the lack of your own obedience. And now you have to face the consequences. Hard truth, necessary truth. Okay, so fast forward. Abram got to Canaan. But the Bible says when he got there, the Canaanites were still living there. All right, so I'm going to just sit myself in uh, the seat of Abram. But, of course, Dion version. Okay, God, now you done told me to go, and I halfway listened in the way that I decided that I was going to go. You promised me it was mine and my ancestors, but now I done got here, and it's people here. Look, Tammy just got out of school. Elizabeth just graduated with her bachelor's, so she finna throw a pool party. These people are not trying to leave. Y'all, the Bible says the Canaanites didn't leave until 400 years later when they were forced out. So that right there tells me that sometimes God's promises take time to come to fulfillment. Now, Lord, I don't want to do 400 years, but uh, y'all, we got to trust his word regardless of what things look like right in front of us at the present moment. Maybe God, you know, figured Abraham may lose faith at this point because the Bible says God reminded Abram of his promise that the land would be his. So say all that part to say little Timmy and Elizabeth eventually had to go because God's promise had to come into fulfillment because my God is not a God that he would lie but it took some time to get there we cannot forsake the process all right moving on now not only were there people living in his land there was then a famine in the land here Aram loses faith in God's ability to take care of him and provide for his needs in a place that he told him to go to so this is where we see Abram leaves for Egypt. He and Sarai plot. They start lying when they get there. And although God keeps them safe while they're there, once again, because of disobedience in going to Egypt, he's going to later be held accountable in facing the consequences of his actions and the drama that unfolds because of his trip there. So I know that was a lot to unpack, but it was so good. I couldn't just leave those things there. 
and just skip forward for the sake of time. We growing, y'all. We are learning to apply these things to our own lives. At the end of the day, this is the word that our God has given us. This is instruction from our Father. This is what He wants us to think about and how this can apply to our lives. So with those considerations, I want you to think about what those look like in your life. And I'm going to think about what they look like in my life. And then we're going to talk about it. Again, with this new series, y'all are not just being passive listeners. We're not just here to entertain you. Are you not entertained? We are going to be studying God's word, answering these questions together. So with these reflection questions, again, shoot us a DM, shoot us an email, respond in the Q&A session. This is a time for us to engage in the word, for us to engage with our community, and we want to hear from you. So here are our reflection questions for today's episode. Reflection question number one. Have you ever told a lie on behalf of a bigger truth? Did it help or hurt the situation? Would you do it differently? Now, I'm going to give y'all a couple minutes on that one because I hit y'all with a three-parter. You ain't even see that coming. Have you ever told a lie on behalf of a bigger truth? Did it help or hurt? And would you do it differently? Y'all got that? Cool. Reflection question number two. God told Abram and Sarai to move into a city experiencing famine, and they disobeyed him by moving into a city with plenty of food. However, he remained faithful and still made provision for them. The question is, when have you felt God direct you to do something that seemed irrational or illogical? Were you obedient? All right. Question three. By concocting the scheme to lie, Sarai became Pharaoh's concubine. With that, she put herself in position to impact God's redemptive plan because Jesus, the Messiah, would come from her line of descendants. This would have changed the trajectory of her life and lives for generation to come. The question is, what decision, big or small, greatly impacted the trajectory of your life? I know these are some good questions. I know they're a little deep too. It's all right. We're going to get deep together. I'm going to be sharing. Again, I'm going to be sharing my answers as well as y'all's. So we're going to get to know each other better. We're going to get deep together. We're going to unpack the word together. Okay. Final question number four. Abram and Sarai outright defied God's command by moving to Egypt instead of Canaan as he told them to. Their disobedience led to calamity and misfortune that could have been avoided had they did what he commanded. Think of a time when you disobey God and negativity followed. Think about the root of that disobedience. How can you counteract it moving forward? Whatever the root of the disobedience was, whatever led you to move contrary to what God told you to do, how can you counteract that in faith moving forward? Make sure you're not just listening to me read through these scriptures and what I'm gleaning from them, don't just take my word on the word. Take out your own Bible. Study for yourself, whether it be along with me in these episodes or in your own time. One of the things I love about doing Bible study with other people is hearing the different perspectives. The Holy Spirit may reveal something to you that I won't be able to pick up on. I may uncover something that you could interpret differently. There is valuable learning to be experienced in the sharing of Scripture. I'm also excited to introduce a new segment into the study sesh with the woman defined called God Winks and Prayer Requests. 
In this segment that I'm echoing from a previous small group, we are going to share a positive, a win, something good God did in your life recently, an accomplishment, breakthrough, miracle, blessing, whatever it may be. That is your God wink. As far as prayer requests, how can we be praying for you? What's weighing on you? What's weighing on your heart? What are you praying to God about that we can come into agreement with and take to our Father together? At the end of each episode, I will be sharing your God winks and prayer requests. So not only Ashley and I can go to God together into agreement with you, the whole community can hear, the whole community can join into agreement in God together. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Thank you, Jesus. That says if we all come together in agreement in prayer and take it to our father, it will be done. So with that being said, we are going to bring the community together in our prayer request. For our very first study sesh, I'm going to kick us off. My God wink for this episode is that Ashley and the baby came to visit me and we had lunch together today. So that made my whole day, made my whole week. It was great to get some time in with my girl. We talked, we laughed, and I got to spend some time with my godson. That is my God wink for today. My prayer request is that I have a family member who is experiencing some sickness in the body. She has been in and out of the hospital and there's some things happening that they're trying to figure out. So if you could lift her up in prayer and come into agreement with my prayers for health, that they figure out what's going on, that she is healed in the name of Jesus. We know the power of our father. Um, that would be greatly appreciated. And I'm looking forward to hearing you guys' God winks and prayer requests. Thank you for tuning in to today's study session with the Women Defined. Again, I'm your host, Dion, and I have one final request as we go. And that is give somebody God today. Whether that be praying for somebody, complimenting someone, holding them accountable, giving someone grace, whatever you do, show them Christ. He loves you. Be blessed.